If you're anything like us, there's nothing like watching a show and debriefing with your BFF after to talk about your theories, to talk about what happened. And we just watched episode three of the miniseries we're obsessing over called The Undoing with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. You're listening to Sisterhood as We Know It with Deed and Son. Okay, so on this fall evening, this true fall evening, mm-hmm. we're going to continue to talk about chilly things like <laughs> The Undoing, which, fun fact, the opening is sung by Nicole Kidman. I knew it. It sounds just like her. Dream I was like, that has to be You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I have a new thought about the opener. Okay. I Go ahead. Do you have a thought too? Well, probably not as profound as what you're going to say, but I feel like this week's changed a teeny bit than the previous week. Okay, I've been skipping. Should I be watching that opener over and over again? Okay, first tell me what you've noticed. A change. I feel like this week's opener was more about her being, the little girl being outdoors. And then there was someone standing, you know, like how HBO and they're at least in the succession They'll have like a flash of someone standing by the pond. Okay, like, with that's a shadow from the beginning. Okay, yeah, so maybe yeah. I think it's the same. I think it's the same opener, but that would be really... okay. And then of course they have that thing where the first christening veil, which is kind of not christening. What is that? When she has the veil, and then it goes to, like the carnation with the blood. Okay, so my very first thought of watching the opener because. I think there's there are clues in the opener. Oh, there's definitely clues on on that opener. That creepy so, opener. My first thought is that Nicole Kidman has a different personality, right? She has a multiple right. multiple personalities. She has who we've been seeing this whole time, and then she has that dark shadow personality that is right. represented in the shadow figure in the opener. Reflection in the pond in the opener. Okay, but now in listening to the song and I knew it was her singing and she has such a beautiful voice. She does. She's able to be creepy at the same time in her singing. Oh, so, oh um, she totally is. She's just so multi-talented. Um, so I was thinking that because the song is dream a little dream of me, that the symbolism there is that Nicole Kidman has always lived in a world where everything is sunshine and rainbows. You mean Grace, her character. I'm sorry, yes, Grace. Grace, her character in The Undoing, has always been able to live in a bubble. She's been protected. She's been privileged. She's been rich her whole life. Yes, she comes from a wealthy family. And I was thinking that Dream a Little Dream of Me is her point of view that she thinks so highly of her husband who now in the undoing and the unraveling of her life as we now know in halfway through this miniseries that this shiny happy wonderful view of her husband is the complete opposite and so dream a little dream of me you know she just thinks that way and now she can't yes she only saw the sunshine and rainbows. Exactly. Or, or mm-hmm. as she has been pointing out with the foreshadowing of the client in the first episode, as mm-hmm. we talk, touched on, 
her subconscious sees it, but she chooses to dream a little dream. Yes. Thank you. And which we'll talk about later. The undoing has multiple meanings because it's the undoing of Grace's life as she knows it from her perfect marriage to her basically everything stemming from her from her perfect marriage that 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 then bled into the undoing of everything that she was a part of for example she can no longer even set foot on campus mm-hmm. to pick up her son at the at, at the upper east side prep school um and what we learned this week is that the undoing is the undoing of the murder you can't just undo it and it will all go away do you want let's do the recap okay cliff's notes version okay this show just does a really good job of not skipping a beat they They pick up right where they left us off that cliffhanger hanger from last week that's right where they pick up the helicopter comes for jonathan fraser he gets arrested he gets taken to prison. In the meantime, her and her son are staying with President Snow. We're just going to call Donald Sutherland's character her father, President Snow. Yes, his name and... in the his name in the show is Franklin. But oh, Franklin. Okay. Or you know, we just know oh, Franklin. President, okay. Yeah, President Snow. Very fitting. Very, very everything in here is very fitting. There is nothing left, uh, you know, to chance. It's all yes. thought out in a show it's like all this, thought for out. sure. And even like the fact that her hus- that her name is Grace, which mm-hmm. is obviously a very Good one. beautiful name, and you see it in the way she she wants. She is trying. She she's really trying to be mm-hmm. gracious to her husband, who she hates. You can tell she hates him. So he goes to prison. The police think she was hiding him the whole time, then decided to turn him in. So right. the, the the suspicion around her continues to grow. It's confirmed by Detective Detective Mendoza that the baby, Elena's baby, who she brought to the fundraiser meeting, is in fact Jonathan's daughter. Right. Which again, I just want to say for the record, I called it. You totally called it. We find out we find them back at her dad's house. They are staying there. They're not going home. The son looks at his father's picture, and we overhear the news say that the sculptor hang the sculpting hammer in the art studio where the body was found is missing which in flashes in episode two we find out that that's the murder weapon is the sculptor's hang- uh, hammer right and what's very in- actually that's a good point here is that all we really know about the murder is that it was bloody mm-hmm. horrific but that's really all we know. So he goes, goes to court. He has a public defender. The judge says $10 million bail. Yeah, Jonathan is obviously really out of place in, in prison. Oh, he looks clearly. terrified. He, yeah. Well, there's so, again, like, like you said about the detail, there's so much that is being said without the script. And the script itself is already brilliant. Mm-hmm. You see that all of his other inmates are minorities um so he clearly sticks out like a sore thumb one of them he so this is a key part of the episode one of them says hey i know you're famous because of this murder and he gets in a fight and he's actually able to fight 
mm-hmm. which you would not expect from a from some. I mean, yes, of course, you're gonna you know fight or flight. You're going to try. You, you know, you're gonna protect yourself. But the way that Jonathan was able to defend himself was a little bit of an eyebrow raise. He bites the guy's finger almost completely off. I mean, right. he bites it to the bone, and it's right. bleeding. Right like crazy that's why he coughed up blood right it wasn't from the guy's mm-hmm. injury it's from what he got yeah yeah which when i saw that i was like this just proves my theory even more where he's claiming innocence but he was really guilty the whole time and he continues the victim blaming he's saying yes. that Elena was obsessed. obsessed yes right and nicole kidman's character grace she's torn she's torn because she's, she's traumatized she's, this, oh, there's yeah. just so much it's all happening so fast and this is what day three day four after we meet them you know or this is what two days or three days after the murder actually happened uh that he you know is in jail the bail is set he has a public defender nicole kidman wants to protect her son she sees this tearing up her son and so as you pointed out she is being true to her name and she's kind of she's not just saying she does okay i will say she does tell the public defender i am not going to vouch for him but on the other hand she ends up bringing she ends up visiting him in prison and then bringing her her son to visit jonathan in prison which i think the son is there to show the voice of casualty because he straight up was like, did you do it? Why'd you mm-hmm. do this to mom? You mentioned something else. What else did he say? He said, we're never going to be a family. Yeah. Again. He, because yes. Jonathan said she was trying to tear, tear apart our family. That's right. When he, okay. So when the son asked him, did you do it? And you were having an affair. I mean, he says it a lot more bluntly than that, but mm-hmm. you know, he uses the F word. Yeah. Um, Jonathan admits to having an affair but then talks a lot about how the victim was obsessed with him, which again, I kept just saying, I just kept saying victim blaming, victim blaming, victim blaming, even if it's true, victim blaming, because mm-hmm. no one deserves to be, no one deserves to be murdered like that. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, which I want to then pivot to a key piece. One of my favorite scenes and oh, favorite because I just thought it gave a lot of information and kind of reinforces my theory. Okay. Um, which one of my two theories, which is agree, Grace can have multiple personalities and did it in some sort of dream state and, you know, knew it all along. Um, is that Grace goes and sees the colleague, the former colleague of Jonathan at the hospital, who in episode two said, I am not at liberty to say. Uh, but he met with her outside and he's like, I can't even, I could be fired for just talking to you right now, but I can't mm-hmm. disclose any information. And he straight up tells Grace that they were having an affair. They weren't even trying to hide it. And that basically Jonathan was a, you know, one and the woman and, and Grace was trying to find some ray, some ray or strand of evidence that it was Elena chasing after the doctor. And colleague confirms that Jonathan, sure, he saved lives, but he just was a terrible person. And yes, one of the lines he said was, 
he it's like he didn't get the god complex memo yeah that he was extremely narcissistic mm-hmm. and so i was like this is a and he even said psychopaths can work can't cannot work cannot at work a and, and he so he was implying that jonathan was a psychopath mm-hmm. and so which would explain his claiming for innocence right and him basically capturing grace to undo what he did because that's another thing like there's so much there's so much play on the word undo here right so i just thought that was very key another key thing and we're not going in order here in chronological order of the episode but their son is a very key everybody's a key player in this and obviously he didn't murder elena but his reaction just shows exactly what jonathan essentially murdered if you will when he decided to be with elena by the way he treated his by the way that this what the son is saying so i want to then pivot to franklin aka president snow and i will hand it off to you son of what we learned about president snow in this episode so in this okay this is one of the bombs yes. in the episode he came to me for money and bam like all this stuff happened and president snow did not mention anything about the money exactly so he says that he came to me and i i even felt honored that he came to me because he said it was for henry the grandson he, he said it was for his school and then she said how much and he said five hundred thousand dollars So far, Franklin has been the voice of, com- of, of comfort, protection, reason mm-hmm. for Grace. Like, why are you even talking to the police? Get a lawyer. It doesn't make sense mm-hmm. for you to do this. Why are you doing this? What, you, you can't be serious that you want to go see Jonathan. You can't be serious. Here's my other thing to add to the son. She keeps saying that she's doing this for the son. But I honestly think the public defender planted a seed in her head by saying... Are you sure that you're not just mad at him or, what, or the, t- the term he coined post-traumatic betrayal syndrome where you're so mad that you think they're capable of anything? Are you sure that you don't think? But what's so tricky and ironic about that statement is that when someone lies to you, they show their true color and you find out about it. You sh- they show their true colors. They show who they are. And so if they're capable of lying about something, maybe they're not capable of, of murder, but she basically everything about him like she's choosing to listen to jonathan and it's as if she listened to that colleague and that whole scene did not matter at all right which also goes ties into him having this affair for so long because he's always able to to redirect her attention to how exactly or my heart or you know Mm -hmm. my heart and then lying about being fired Oh, yeah. Carrying on that line. No for three, wonder. Life for three which months. Which is how he got the money the whole time was because he was being paid by You're the father-in-law. Right. That is where he, that's where he right. got the bacon. Was from her. But where did it go? That's, that's the other question, too. Is like, where did all that money go? So we're wondering where the murder weapon is and we're wondering where that $500,000 went. What did he spend it on? Where did it go? And he's been carrying on this lie. So he continues. I mean, he is a liar. So everything he's saying right now 
very likely can be could be lies that's what i think but he's so you know he's hugh grant and she is obviously under his spell when he says all this other stuff because she is taking the stance of like i don't know what to think so she's really i think she's exploring all the options but then here's the other bomb drop the husband of elena tracks her down and he wants to have a talk and she doesn't feel comfortable but he's like when are we gonna even talk? exactly i was so like give the poor man have a conversation poor man she keeps looking at the baby because she knows that baby is hugh grant's cute I'm not and oh all babies, all babies are, are cute. cute but this one was like standing out like hugh grant's baby it is a hollywood mm-hmm. baby she straight up asks the husband were there other men no he says no was she being treated for any psychological disorders he said that's none of your business and she's like my husband is on trial for murder i'm gonna make it my business if you're lying or something like that right dude yes and what i find interesting she says that what i find interesting also is that she project she projects to the widow or mm-hmm. fernando is that his name right or no yes yes fernando you're right um she projects onto him the way she has been treated by the police so she says to him where were you that night she starts thinking he was involved which is a viable theory. We talked, we talked, right. we tossed that one around. So, right. um, and then one other key piece of this episode well, is that there's a, fl- a quick, like, 10 second flash of President Snow getting out of his car and looking at Elena's slash Fernando's apartment. He looks, he is standing outside their apartment, probably across the street, looking at Fernando holding that baby. Right. And that's a huge question mark. What is he doing there? Why is he there? And when when was he there? And when was he there? Yes. In the timeline of the show, it shows him doing that right after he tells Grace that he gave Jonathan $500,000. And the detectives try to get information out of him. He, of course, isn't. Um, budge and right he's not scared of the detectives at all he said my my daughter is innocent and if you want to question me get a warrant if you want to question me right before we talk about the bomb drop again the president so he goes if you want to have a meeting if you want me to arrange a meeting with Haley, Haley Fitzgerald then I will do it and she's like well public defender sends a message and so again, she's about appearances showing. Uh, well, there's many layers to that statement. There's obviously the appearance that they can't afford to have a high-powered lawyer in a high-profile case um, to defend Jonathan. It also shows a message that she doesn't care about Jonathan. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It also shows the message that they don't believe in the public defender. You know that all these things. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, president. And I'm like thinking, I'm like, okay. I don't think he's spoiling her, but he's just like, okay, this is what my daughter wants. I'm not going to argue with her. This is, I'm just going right. to, I'm I'm going to stay out of it. It's like he wants us, he's staying out of it, but he's helping where he can. And then we find that he, he gave money to Jonathan and he showed up at the apartment. So president, so Franklin, President Snow is an interesting character. And then there's the cliffhanger. Go for it. 
The bombshell is they only caught one person on surveillance one block away from the scene of the crime the night of the murder. They show it to Grace and lo and behold, it's her walking across the street one block away from the murder scene. Right. And it's almost eerie because it shows the camera looking at the crosswalk and you see a shadow, a tall shadow which you could see as a woman because it has like a cape or has like a done a cape, but it has like a long, mm-hmm. and it's her signature. It, it's yes. what she wore the night of the fundraiser, right. the fancy yes. glam fundraiser. And so she's in heels. She's in a long coat. And then it just, and because, you know, she's in there trying to, they're like, are you trying to complain about him? And or like file a complaint about, Fernando, did you feel unaf- like? Did you feel scared? And she's like, "Do you have cameras? Aren't there any security cameras showing who was around at the time of the murder?" And lo and behold, mm-hmm. she is looking at herself. And I think she just thought, "I'm going to file a complaint and so plan to see that the husband did it, caught them. Right. I felt unsafe. He was stalking me. He was following me." Um, that cliffhanger definitely builds the case that why, why was Grace a so quote unquote clueless about her his job everything that she finds out about Jonathan and does she have an, another personality either A could be guilty and she did it or B be guilty and was an accomplice that is recap of Episode three of the undoing titled Do No Harm. Yes. Here are some of my big questions from the episode. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. Why was President Snow at the Alves's apartment? And I, it had to be the night that he told Grace about the $500,000 to Jonathan because Elena was nowhere to be found in that scene. Or maybe you're right. Maybe it was that it was a different time and she was out with Jonathan at that time. And the husband was at home with the baby and the kid and Miguel. The other question I have is, what do you think is the deal with the solo portrait of Jonathan that the son very hastily tore his or went through, rummaged through his suitcase so fast to find that picture of him. What do you think is the deal with that scene? My, when I first saw that, I thought, is he trying to find, find evidence of his father's affair? What do you think? What, what, so who are you leaving? Are you, who do you think is guilty? I have a new theory. And my theory goes back to involving her friend Sylvia yes. and her yes. dad. My new theory is that President Snow, Franklin, knew about the affair. And as a father, was trying to protect his daughter. But knew that Hugh Grant, Jonathan, was not a good guy. And it was deliberate that he was, they were all at the fundraiser together, but President Snow 
was leaving as they they arrived because I think he confronted Elena at the party. I think he confronted her because to me, it seems that she was there before Jonathan and Grace got there. And I think that President Snow spoke to her and said, this needs to end. My daughter, my daughter's life is at stake here, or, you know, I'm protecting my daughter. You need to stay away from Jonathan. I think, I think he had a role to play in this. And then, you know how Elena cried in the first episode. It was all becoming so real to her because she had, I think this is the first time in real life that she saw Jonathan and Grace together as they are this happily married couple. And that was too much for her to handle after possibly being confronted by the father. Sylvia has known Grace for a very long time. They are close friends. And Sylvia concealed the whole thing from from Grace about Jonathan getting fired and being hired as his attorney. And sure, there is there's a confidentiality agreement between a client and their attorney, but there's also friendship. I mean, I just, I am still puzzled as to how she kept that from her friend, or even maybe, maybe she wouldn't tell her explicitly, but maybe tried to get an idea of where Grace was. So she knows she's in the know of that. Jonathan is a bad guy and the father is in the know that Jonathan is in need of money. So obviously something is wrong. The father was not born yesterday and he's very protective of his daughter. And I don't know if you remember this. It was a split second, but at the fundraiser, of course, Sylvia greets Franklin very warmly. And as he's leaving, my thought is that Nicole Kidman was concerned, genuinely concerned about Elena after their kiss, after seeing her crying, after all of their run-ins, just in that past 48 hours, she was, she felt drawn to Elena. She felt like she needed help. And that's what Nicole Kidman does. She helps people work through their problems. She is a therapist. So I think she went to go see her to see yes, if she's okay. exactly. I think she tried to find answers. I don't think she... I still don't think she had any inkling about the affair. I think she went genuinely concerned about Elena and then found that her life was a, a mess, that it was a complete lie. I just have a feeling that the, the father is involved somehow, and so is Sylvia. I think the way that about Franklin being involved and trying to get rid of whether it was like, or let me give you more money or let me give you that um, is genius. Here's my other question. If Sylvia or since Sylvia was Jonathan's attorney while dealing with all of this employment disciplinary action wouldn't she know elena exactly yeah and did she just act like she didn't know her 
Right. And, and here's another thing that's kind of stands by my theory is that she's the one who said it's always the husband. So she kind of planted that seed in Nicole Kidman's head about Fernando. That is a really smart theory. It feels like Sylvia's more in control of the messaging than Grace is. Here's another wild theory I have. What if Sylvia and Franklin meaning President Snow, what if they're romantically involved Ooh, somehow? Interesting. It's kind of it's kind of like out of left field, but I feel like there is some they are in cahoots somehow. So it might not be romantic, but I feel like That's, they are I, in communication I think you're right. about I think the whole situation. Because she's a lawyer. She knew about Jonathan. Jonathan went and asked for money. And that's probably not the whole story about Jonathan asking for money. He was probably like, I lost my job. I lost my job. Yeah. And then. Because how would he pay for Sylvia too? Okay. And here's another wild left field thing I'm going to throw at you. In episode three. They have a father-daughter moment. Oh, I like when he's playing that. the I really piano. Like that President scene. Snow really is like playing scene. the piano, and he wants her to play with him. Like she does right. the right it's hand, really he sweet, does the left hand on the piano. And she says, "It makes me miss mom." Now, we don't know how the mom died, right? And. Will this come into play in the show? I don't know. But I feel like that is maybe they're hinting right. at something right. there. Because it seems like she was raised by her dad for a significant part of her life. So that is a good one. Yeah, that was a key little little line right there because... You don't know if, like, maybe her mom had an illness and Grace has that same illness or same disorder or. Yeah, we don't, we a good don't point. know anything because mom has, That's ne- a mom really has good never point. been mentioned at all, which makes sense. I mean, there's a, there's a murder. So, so my, see, sure. okay, I think that you are on to something definitely for sure about President Snow. Again, look at me, you know, I thought that Jonathan was very charming, which is something about a psychopath. That's what a psychopath does. Um, I, it was very interesting how Grace, again, I'm going to say this again, Grace chose to, the the public defender, while very valid point of, are you sure he's capable of murder? Yes. Are you sure he, yes, you are traumatized and you were betrayed, but are you sure that someone lying and cheating can also be capable, this person in particular can be capable of murder? And so I think she took that thought and married it with Jonathan saying, you know, my heart, Jonathan. And and then him saying, I love you and your mom more than anything in the world. And then you hear his colleague who also cures cancer said he is the most narcissistic psychopathic person and who just basically did not care if people knew he was having an affair. In fact, invited it. The exact opposite of Jonathan. I mean, he, I mean, he did not hold it back. And you could just see Grace just like, not even, it just did, she just refused to believe any of that. Meanwhile, she, she refused. What's interesting about that scene is that it did not come up at all 
in any of the other conversations with like she did not go to telling the police saying you know well obviously she she was meeting with this guy in confidence but she didn't go running to the police with any of this information and she again is choosing to hear you know my heart and and being controlled by jonathan and so which again just furthers my i just i I think it's a very compelling argument to say that Grace is somehow involved and she, she may be in, she may be in some way, but I, th- I still think that because it's, it's all about a whodunit from Grace's point of view and from every, actually from everybody's point of view, nobody knows who really done it. Only Jonathan knows whether or not he really did it. Mm-hmm. But I really think that he did it. And I think he is using his psychopathicness to convince himself and others, right. especially Grace. All he needs is Grace. She has the money. She has access to money and has access to President Snow. Because he, you could tell that President Snow is the listening father, but he's also not over-involving himself. At least that's what we thought to begin with. I am looking forward to episode four. And yeah, oof. it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. A, it's a lot. So really quickly about Thanksgiving. We are going to be in Lake Tahoe with the Robinsons. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to Tahoe is beautiful. Um, I'm more of a Tahoe. I have a Tahoe. Tahoe and I are, I'm in love with Tahoe in in the summer, um, mainly just because I'm not a winter person, but even so Tahoe is beautiful in the winter. And then we're having our own holiday um, with my side of the family, AKA son. I'm going to do a traditional Thanksgiving dinner. Shocking. Okay. And I say that because she originally planned to order it from Costco. Oh, Costco sold out of their genius. pre-made Costco, Costco Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving feast. dinner with a turkey and all the fixing. Love it. And then her backup was the Whole Foods Thanksgiving feast, which is also sold out. It's sold, so well, what is your new plan? The, the first option is sold out, but they have, you can still have a catered. So they have different options. So you, that, what you can what have, can you have, what's sold out is the meal that comes with the pies, but you can still buy the meal without the pies and buy the pies separately. Yeah. So, oh, okay. The so then I'm what are you going to do? Is because all Thanksgiving dinners, the earliest you can pick them up is the, the 19th. Okay. So then what are you going to do? Myself. I might. I'm not sure yet. I have to call a restaurant tomorrow. I have to decide by tomorrow. Thanksgiving. Okay, so we're still in 2020. We're still in the pandemic. And we are still... <laughs> we're still waiting for the current president to acknowledge it. The there's, there's a lot elect. going on. There's a there's lot, lot happening on, right now. Which is why Sen and I um can talk about something that is in a defined space. But it's still fun to figure try, try to figure out. <laughs> Um, I think the characters Absolutely. are really complex. It's brilliant writing. There is so much symbolism. There's so much irony. And I just, um, yeah, I, I was, I actually turned to Brian yesterday and I was like, Suzanne Beer, who's the director. I said, she, sh- she should get an Emmy for this alone. The, the cinematography is brilliant. It is, I mean, you have, you have shots where things are half blurry, half clear, which is so symbolic of the 
whole whodunit premise anyway. Um, and 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 one thing, another right. thing I wanted to call about this episode is that the very happy Vivaldi type violin classical music that we see in episode one, where life is great, sunshine and rainbows, Upper East Side, you know, that has not existed since that episode. And in fact, the um, end music or the end credits for last night's episode was also classical uh, or also in, um, uh, an orchestra or violins, but extremely creepy um, and dark. And there's a lot of shadows in this episode. There's a lot of the um, the, the dramatic lighting, but the, dramatic um, lighting. the tree branches that seem like something's creeping up on you, that there's a lot of that. Um, and so anyhow, anyhow. I noticed in rewatching episode one that the Vivaldi music, the upbeat, oh, classical, gorge. beautiful music only happens when Nicole Kidman is Ooh. walking on the street by herself. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I am overanalyzing the show like but it see, is my that's job. How, that <laughs> is storytelling. So. Oh, that is interesting. That was her world. Yeah. Okay. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Sisterhood as We Know It. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. In honor of our our 20th episode and in honor of one of our favorite topics, Starbucks. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get a podcast, get your podcast. I mean, you can like us or you cannot like us. Just talk about us. us. (laughs) Leave us, talk about us. Leave us a a review, take a screenshot of it and post it to your Insta story and tag us. And you will be entered to win a $20 gift card to Starbucks. Can get you two drinks. And two snacks. Well, maybe two snacks. (laughs) Exactly.